October is always a happening month of the year for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. 20th is my birthday. The host, Brandon Lachance. I'm going to be 37 years old October 20th. Edge of Your Seat Podcast birthday is also in October the 22nd. Lots of growing to go at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Family's birthdays. My grandma, my grandpa, my sister, a couple cousins, son, lots of birthdays in October. And then, of course, there's Halloween. Who doesn't love Halloween? It's my second favorite holiday. First, of course, is Christmas. Also in October, high school fall sports playoffs. Winter sports start practicing, getting ready for the season. Some play at the end of October, then it starts beginning in November. The MLB is in the playoffs. NFL is heating up. NHL and NBA about to start. Great time, great time, great time. If you ask me, it's the best time of the year. And of course, Edge of Your Seat Podcast is going to be here for it all. October, just like every other month, bringing you great chats, some sports stuff, some news stuff, some current events stuff, some life stuff, little bit of everything. Like I mentioned, I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. You can listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website rss.com backslash podcast with an S that is plural backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. On the socials, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, please follow Review, like, love, tell everybody about us. Do all that to help Edge of Your Seat podcast grow and prosper. It's what we all want, right? We do the same for you. It's why we have this show to get you on to talk about your stories or your friends' stories, or your family stories, or whatever you got. That's what we do here. If you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest. Anything under the sun. Send an email to edge of your seat podcast at gmail.com. And a special shout out, as always, to the homie Brian Cavelli for the intro and outro beat. This episode is brought to you by Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. So this is episode 238. We have Tim Cotton Jim as our guest. And believe it or not, I was at the gym this morning. It is currently 848 on Wednesday, October 12th. I was there at about 5.30 at the gym. Anytime fitness in Mendota, there's your shameless plug. My spot, I like going there. Ran into Tim Cotton Gym there. We were talking about the pod, talking about some other things. Always good to see him. We talked to him before the season started, which if you know, that was in probably the end of August. We went to Ignea Pizzeria Napolitana, his establishment, a awesome, awesome pizza spot in Ottawa that we do ads for every single show. We talked a little bit about that as well. And during this chat, we were at Ignea eating pizza and it was delicious. But the real reason Cotton Jim got on is he is the IVCC men's soccer coach and they've been having a cool season. I'm going to break it down in just a second, but IVCC soccer just started, oof, I'm going to say in the last 10 years. I was at the News Tribune when it started. I was there for the first game. I did a preview story of 
the program being created and things like that. There was a lot of buzz. And you know, when you first start something, the buzz is huge and oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then you know, it slowly dies down. Well, by year three or four, it had kind of, you know, that got to a still, but it was just that buzz wasn't there anymore. Well, they grabbed a couple local kids that everybody was already following, grabbed some foreign players that were really, 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 really good and have made IVCC soccer more than watchable. Like it is a really good time to see these young men play the game. Tim Cotton Jim is all about soccer, loves it, maybe more than life itself. I'm not quoting him on that. I'm saying he might, he just may. So it's good to see the program doing good things and moving positively forward as we go on with the seasons. The Eagles are now 9-6, 3-0 in the Arrowhead Conference. They're 6-2 at home while being 3-4 on the road. Got to get that road record up for sure. They have scored 40 goals, averaging 2.67 goals per game. They started the season off 0-2, went on a six-game winning streak, lost one, won three, and have lost the last three. So they're trying to get back on the winning ways. Their next game is actually today at 3 p.m. at home, the last home game of the season, Mineral Area College. Then there's three more games left in the regular season. October 15th is a Saturday. They will be at Kankakee Community College. The Eagles will again be on the road against Elgin Community College October 19th. That's a Wednesday. And then Monday, October 24th, they're at Moraine Valley. The Eagles roster is 22 deep, 15 freshmen and five sophomores. From the schools that we cover, that we you know, pay attention to as much as possible, they're all freshmen. Six of them, all freshmen. Goalkeeper, Colin Hart from Cole City. He's an everyday starter, plays every single game. Jacob Swift, a forward from Princeton. Trent Goodell, a defender from Princeton. Mauricio Ruiz, a forward from Hall. Leanne Gonzalez, a defender from LaSalle, Peru. And he's getting a lot of tick for the Eagles as well. And then a goalkeeper from Princeton, Christian Whitfield. The rest of the roster, we got a player from Centralia, two from Marion, one from Chatham, one from T-Town, if you didn't know, the Tatopolis, one from Peoria. There is nine players from overseas, five from Portugal, and four from South Africa. There's the quick rundown of the team, got the record, got the roster. We'll get Tim back on real soon. We also talked about that at the gym this morning, like, hey, when's a good time? We're going to talk to him after the playoffs are over. Season's done. He's wound down a little bit, figuring how he can review or grade this season. But before we talk to Tim Cotton, Jim, we have week seven Saturday football scores. The last episode, 237, we broke down week seven to Friday. But since we did it Saturday morning, the Saturday games hadn't played yet. So we have those here. State golf was also wrapping up on Saturday, so we have state golf for boys and girls. The postseason for the boys soccer squads, regionals, kicked off October 7th. That was a Friday, so we have quarterfinals and semifinals. Well, some semifinals, a lot of them are being played today, too. So anything that was played Friday, Monday, or Tuesday, we have right here. Then in a quick grab bag, 
MLB playoffs, and some NFL talk. Tons of fun stuff. That's what we do here. All fun stuff. Stuff. Edge of Your Seat podcast is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate Jason Hintz pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five and has been with Mendota Ford for two years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. Let's start with those football scores from Saturday of Week 7. Like I said, Week 6 and Week 7 were broken down on 237, episode 237, except for Saturday games because we did the show Saturday morning. So, Saturday afternoon, Amboy defeated Prairie City in 8-man football with a score of 62-8. to Clippers are now 6-1 as I believe they're still number 3 state-ranked in 8-man football. In the game against Prairie City, junior Brennan Blaine, two receiving touchdowns, had two receptions for 142 yards. Both just happened to be touchdowns and a rushing score. Quinn Leffelman, the sophomore running back, had a rushing touchdown. Geo Gatz had two touchdowns. And Landon Welchel also had a rushing touchdown. In 11-man football, Marquette is also 6-1 as they defeated Walter Christian 52-0. Byron, who is number five in Class 3A state rankings, gets a win over Oregon 48-6. Also on Saturday, Fieldcrest fell to Stockton 59-12. We're going to get to state golf, starting with the boys and the girls, but let's hear a word from SureStep Illinois first. As a business owner, one of the issues you have to be aware of is injury and liability to your staff. An injury can lead to open shifts because an employee is unable to work, a possible lawsuit, and other grievances at the workplace. SureStep Illinois is a woman-owned small business based out of Tonica that is here to help eliminate those injuries and liabilities, which are the number one workman's compensation claim in America. SureStep Illinois is a non-slip treatment that will not change the look, texture, or appearance of the tile it's placed on, whether it's residential, business, indoor, or outdoor applications. The non-slipness has been independently tested in labs as SureStep has achieved the highest dynamic coefficient of friction in the industry. Competitors are slipping to catch up, literally. There's absolutely no business downtime as the tile or floor SureStep is applied to 
can be worked on, stepped on, jumped on, danced on, two-step, right after the treatment is applied. SureStep by Illinois also offers strip waxing non-slip coatings for a little extra stick with some texture and look changes to the applied surface. Contact Mary Jane Orozco at 815-488-6565 to get SureStep Illinois today. Boys State Golf Friday, October 7th and Saturday, October 8th at the Prairie Vista Golf Course in Bloomington. Still a course that I want to play on. I've been there before for state golf, but I've never, ever played there. Class 1A, St. Anthony, the team champs with a 618, but we had one of our squads in the top five as Byron shot a 671 to finish fifth in Class 1A State Golf. Congrats to Byron. To get a team to finish that high, it is the toughest, toughest thing to do, especially in golf. Not an easy feat whatsoever. Byron top five. Huge congratulations. Individuals, the state champ was from St. Anthony, sophomore Joey Trippiano, as he shot a 148 through the two days of competition. Our guys, tied for 13, Roanoke Benson senior DJ Norman shot a 156 as he had a 76 on day one and an 80 on day two. Amboy senior Wes Wilson tied for 16th. He shot a 78 and a 79 for a total of 157. Charlie Mershon, a senior from Byron, tied for 33 as he had an 82 and a 78 for 160. Also from Byron, Junior Aaron Lorenz tied for 36th with a 162, shooting a 76 and then an 86. Byron senior Braden Baker tied for 65 with a 171. 67th was Roanoke Benson Jr. Nolan Hunter with a 172. 76th was Byron Jr. Mason Brandt with a 178. Davis Baker, a sophomore from Byron, tied for 79th with a 184. And Cooper Mershon, a sophomore from Byron, had a 193 for 83rd. Hall's Landon Plim, the sophomore, shot an 87 for his day one score, did not play round two. Class 2A, as a team, St. Ignitus College Prep won with a 603. None of our squads represented a team score in 2A. Individuals, the champ was senior Wade Schott from Champaign Central, but he tied with junior from Geneseo, Hayden Moore, who shot a 72 and a 70 for 142. That's exactly what Schott shot as well. But in a playoff, Hayden Moore fell to second. Congrats to the Geneseo Jr., you already know we've reached out trying to get him on the show. Tied for 30th, Ottawa Jr., Drake Kaufman, shot for a total of 156. In 3A, New Trier were the champions with a 603. New Trier Jr., Johnny Creeman, was the champ with a 146, shooting a 71 and a 75. They fixed up their games. They know how to get around the golf course. Well, our buddies at Olson Construction can fix up your home. Renovations, changes, any of that. And it doesn't even matter what the weather is. They can be out there right now. I mean, we'll try to stay away from the frost and the rain. But 
On any other kind of day, when you can be outside, even if it's a little chilly, Olsa Construction can make some changes, those renovations that you've seen, whether it's the, you know, you need some new paint, you need some new tiling, you need some shingles, you need drywall, you need new electrical outlets, you need a new roof, whatever it is, Olsen Construction can do it. Olsen Construction is a licensed and insured family owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olsen have the skills and over 10 years of experience each to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, and formulate renovations in any room, hallway, staircase, garage, shed, or basement. For a free estimate, call 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Girl State Golf 1A, Mount Carmel, the team champs with a 600. Senior Madeline Young, representing Mount Carmel, was the individual champ, shooting a 137. She carded a 69 and a 68. Incredible score. Good job, Madeline. But we got good jobs for Katie Drew of Dixon. The junior finished fifth, shooting a 148 with a 73 and a 75. Another good job for Kiwani senior Maya Marocha. Finished eighth with a 150, shooting a 74 and a 76 on day one and day two. And then the senior from Oregon, Ava Hackman, tied for 21st with a 159 as she shot an 80 on Friday and a 79 on Saturday. Congrats to all of them. They put in the hard work. In 2A, Hinsdale Central won the title with a 600. Individuals, Edwardsville, Nicole Johnson, she's a senior. She won it with a 138, shooting a 70 and a 68. Oh, man, I don't even know what to say to that. She just crushed it. Our lone golfer of the schools that we speak about, Brianna Shalman, the junior from Sycamore, with a 157, tied for 41st. Sooner or later, we might be watching some of these golfers on TV or streaming on something. And if you stream, why not on Surf Internet? Hey, Mendota, Amboy, Ottawa, Sterling, Rock Falls. Surf's fiber internet is more reliable and 50 times faster than cable. Get one gig speed and two free Eero whole home Wi-Fi routers for only $85 a month. No contracts and free installation at a price that's locked in for life. That's right. The price you pay today will not, that's a not, no way, jump up each year like cable does. Surf is expanding to more neighborhoods every single day. So visit surfinternet.com to check your address or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Boys Soccer Regionals began Friday, October 7th. Semifinals started yesterday, Tuesday, October 11th, and continue today, October 12th. The finals for Regionals will be October 14th, and then we'll start pushing into sectionals and semifinals. Of course, you know, these happen when weather permits. So far, it really hasn't rained much. Yeah, yesterday it rained a little bit. 
but it's been a little colder. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully all these games are played and on time. Otherwise schedules get messed up really, really, really quickly. And then class 2A will pick up their regionals starting with the quarterfinals on either Friday the 14th or Saturday the 15th. So just a couple days away from 2A as well. But let's get into 1A regionals at the Wheaton Academy sectional subsection A. I know, if you don't know anything about sectionals, they put a bunch of schools into one sectional, split them up in two, and then you have a subsection A, subsection B, and then you break into two different regionals for each subsection. So for 1A, we'll start with the Wheaton Academy sectional. Number six, Hinkley Big Rock. They fell to number eight, Mooseheart, 6-3 in a regional quarterfinal, this part of the Hinkley Big Rock regional. At the other side of the subsection, subsection B, Byron won a quarterfinal, upsetting number eight Stillman Valley as the Tigers were the number nine seed, winning 5-4. Maybe that was revenge for the week one football loss as Stillman Valley knocked off Byron. Heh, not in soccer. Byron beats Stillman Valley 5-4. However, the Tigers did not make a long playoff push as they lost in the semifinal to number one seeded Genoa Kingston 4-0. In the Mantino sectional sub-A, number 10 Cole City fell to Kankakee McNamara 6-1. Cole City was the 10 seed, McNamara was a number seven. In subsection B, Number five, Reed Custer advanced to the semifinal with a 9-1 win over Kankakee Grace Christian Academy on Monday. Now, they will play number three, Hersher, in Wednesday's semifinal. So that is later today at 6.30. In the Class 1A Mendota sectional, Sub-A, number eight, Sandwich, beat number 10, Yorkville Christian, 8-2. However, in Tuesday's semifinal, number two, Serena, which this is their regional, they're defending their home field, defeated Sandwich 8-0. In the Mendota sectional sub B, Princeton was defeated 4-1 by Riverdale. Princeton a nine seed, Riverdale seven seed, Princeton season is over. That's okay. Riverdale met Mendota in Tuesday's semifinal and lost 9-0. So Mendota advances to Friday's regional championship game. This is the Rock Island Allman Regional as Mendota will play Allman 6 p.m. on Friday. In the other semifinal of this little part of the bracket, Depew fell 6-0 to number four Allman, setting up the matchup between Mendota and Allman. Kiwani in a quarterfinal the number six seed Boilerbankers defeated number 11 Peoria Manual 8-0. Kiwani then advanced to Tuesday's semifinal where they lost 5-4 to number three Monmouth Roseville. So playoff action underway. Man, always exciting, always exciting for some awesome soccer action. And we'll keep you updated with that as it comes. I love these grab bags. We're going to make this one a little quicker though. I want to hear Tim Cotton Jim. I want to hear some IVCC soccer. But we're going to start with NFL. Man, the roughing the passing plays this past weekend, 
it's like uh, the quarterbacks are like little five-year-olds playing with some grown men. Let's not touch them. Let's not hurt them. Let's not make them not want to play this game anymore. Man, let's just stop it. They're the number one part of the NFL. They're the faces, and I get that. And I get you don't want none of them to be hurt. You want them on the field all the time. But it is football. You get hit. That is the point of football. And for a defense, your number one job in life is to get the quarterback. So now you're dumbing down their job and acting like it isn't important to hit the quarterback. It is. That's what you want to do. So these quarterbacks are complaining because they get hit. Or you got referees saying, oh, well, you know, that was rough in the passer. Somebody put all their weight on the Raiders player, which is Derek Carr, if you didn't know. Derek Carr, the quarterback for the Raiders, he gets hit. Smash, the guy was doing a one-handed push-up, so he didn't have all of his body on him. He was purposely laying off of him, but he tackled him. Car fell down, the ball got loose, and he hops on the ball and the quarterback at the same time. A legitimate football player and what you want to teach your defenders to do. But we're going to call flag on it. Ridiculous. Then the one on Tom Brady. It's not the defender's fault that the man is 45 years old and playing football. You can't protect the guy by these calls because you either know him or that he's been around forever or that he's legendary, an icon, okay, the GOAT. You still can't do that in NFL football. You're taking the importance, the awesomeness of football, the aggressiveness, the reason people play it or watch it, pay attention to it. You can't take that away. You just can't. And it seems like you are. Packers lost to the Giants in London. I am very, very happy, but I don't get it. I don't know what's up with the Packers. They are the most awesome, most bizarre team the last couple years that I remember paying attention to. It's just so bonkers how they lose these games that they should dominate. And then they'll dominate these games that they probably had no business winning. It just makes no sense to me. But it's sports. Does it make sense to anybody? Nah, we just love it. Probably because it doesn't make any sense. And I know the Bears haven't won the last couple weeks, but I'm kind of impressed. I think Justin Fields is going to be a good quarterback if he's given time, if he's allowed to develop. I think he's going to be okay. I also think the Bears are playing better than anybody thought they would. Seriously, they're not the worst team in the NFL. They're not, and people had them put there, and they're not by any means. So come on, Bears, keep going. You got a fan over here, a fan, a lot of you guys are listening to this, that want the Bears to win or at least be good. So let's get there. Let's get there quickly. On Monday, watch the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was just awesome watching Travis Kelsey. He didn't have to have 35 catches for 275 yards, but he had four touchdowns. First tight end to do it since like 1987 or something like that. First Kansas City Chief at all to do it. Doesn't matter the position. It was just awesome. He had an eight-yard grab here, a one-yard grab here, a four-yard grab here. And they replayed them all and how difficult he had to fight everybody to get open. Things that he had to do, you know, being Travis Kelsey. And he did it. And he made the grabs. And it was just fantastic to watch. And if you ask me... He is the best tight end in the game right now. And I want to say, I would love to say, 
He's better than Rob Gronkowski. Everybody's like, oh, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk is so good. Gronk, Gronk, Gronk. I think Travis Kelsey is a better player. I really do. I mean, Gronk's got the personality and stuff like that. Well, so does Kelsey. He's not boring. I just think Kelsey is a better receiver. I think he's a better route runner. I think he's a better blocker. I think he's got more motor. I just think he is a better player than Rob Gronkowski. Let me know what you think. Who do you think is better, Kelsey or Gronk? Send in an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us on the socials. Send us a message. Let us know. MLB, Major League Baseball. We are down to eight teams, and this is my favorite month of baseball. I watch it here and there. I'll go to a couple games, but once it gets to this time, the playoffs, there's something magical about watching this bracket dwindle down and then watching the World Series and how everybody just goes bonkers. I love it. I love it. I love it. Great time of the year, and I'm glad we got the playoffs going on right now. In the wild cards, it was a best of three series. The Mariners defeated the Blue Jays in two, and the Cleveland Guardians knocked off the Tampa Rays in two games as well. Like I said, best of three. Both of them done real quick. That was the AL. In the NL, the Mets and the Padres. The Padres knock off the Mets 2-1. The Mets really like self-exploded just the worst way ever this season. Had a really, really good team and then just fell apart. That is the only series that went three games, though, because the Philadelphia Phillies knocked off the St. Louis Cardinals in two. I was really surprised. I thought the Cardinals were going to the series. I really, really, really did. Or at least lock up with the Dodgers and, you know, have a good series there somewhere in the NL, maybe in the NL title game. I don't know. But knocked off by the sixth seed in the wild card. So this sets up... Our series divisional matchups in the AL, number two Yankees against the number three Cleveland Guardians. All of these series were played for the first game yesterday, which was Tuesday. Yankees won the first one. They take a one-game lead for one. In the other AL series, the number one top-seeded Astros versus the number five Mariners. Astros won the first game, 8-7. In the NL The Phillies continuing on this heat wave as they knocked off the Braves in game one, seven to six. The Braves, of course, being the two seed. And the last series, the Dodgers kick it off with a win as they defeated the number five Padres, five, three. Dodgers, a really strong one seed. Astros, a really strong one seed. I would not by any chance be surprised if that's your World Series. I really, really, really wouldn't be. There are pizza joints in almost every village, town, or city we talk about or represent on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Deep dish, thin crust, in-between crust, meat, veggies, cheese, the works. Each of them have all the options we're used to, except Ignea Pizzeria Napolitana. The pizzeria located at 215 that's 215 Jefferson Street in Ottawa is different than the norm. Ignea, meaning fiery in Italian, is exactly what you get as a traditional wood-fired oven Neapolitan pizza is topped with our fresh in-house mozzarella and San Marzano tomatoes. Whew, San Marzano, whew, San Marzano tomatoes, they're the best. 
And so is the meats. They're delicious. The veggies are fresh. And it's petitely cut. Add in-house lemonade and drinks and other food items unlike other menus, including dessert options. And it's a dining experience unlike any other. We've only spoken about half the event known as a night out at an exquisite establishment. Food. But what about the environment? Elegant, sleek, refined, fresh, new, and in 2022 language, full of drip. Kind of defines Ignea Pizzeria Napolitana, but only you can find the right adjective to fit your experience. Ignea is open Monday, Thursday, and Friday, 4 to 9, Saturday, 12 to 9, and Sunday, 12 to 8, and is closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Call 815 324 9229 for carryout, delivery, or to book a reservation. Well, that is a wrap for the intro. We got some football, some baseball, some soccer, some golf, some everything. A little bit of this, but let's have a little bit more soccer with our guy, IVCC men's soccer coach, Tim Cotton Jim. Until next time, peace. Usually I'd be talking to this guy at a soccer field, whether he was coaching or we're just watching a game, something that's usually where I see him. But Tim Cotton Jim, coach at IVCC, we're at a pizzeria. Gonna talk some soccer, some pizza, go over some mobster movies. Great conversation we're gonna have for you. Tim, how are you doing, man? Good, man. How's it going, Brandon? Not too bad at all. Thanks for coming out. For sure, thanks for having me. Well, let's start with that. I did not even know you had a pizzeria and you told me this has been here for three years. Started the pizzeria almost three years ago. In September, it'll be three years. So uh, strict Neapolitan style pizza. You know, we don't variate in our recipe from the, you know, uh, the strict Neapolitan style dough. Uh, and you know, it's just real traditional style Italian pizza. You know, and we try to keep it very traditional and uh, here in Ottawa, come out and try it out sometime. How did you get into this? How did you decide like, hey, I want to make some pizza. Let's open a spot in Ottawa. Well, mostly for my love of the pizza. Just having to try the pizza uh, 14, 15 years ago, probably the first time I think I tried it. And then just kind of searching out that style of pizza. And then I learned how to make that style of pizza. And then I've always kind of been interested in the restaurant, you know, so uh, when that those two things kind of came together, I felt like it was time to try to make a move there. So. Definitely. And just so people can come out or look for you, check out your pizza, what is the name of the pizzeria? It is called Iniga, I-N-I-G-A, Iniga Pizzeria Napolitana, and it's in Ottawa, Illinois. Perfect, perfect. You're from Earlville, or at least live in Earlville. What made you decide to come out to Ottawa to open that instead of, you know, somewhere closer to Earlville? Yeah, I grew up in Earlville, and I live in Earlville now, but uh, just working around the area locally, um, mostly just because Ottawa is a good restaurant town. Uh, which means there's competition, but it also means there's people there to patronize the restaurant. So that was kind of the biggest motivating factor. We kind of looked at Utica a little bit too. And then, you know, being with, you know, how seasonal Utica is, we kind of just settled on Ottawa. So, um, you know, we're happy here so far. Wish there's a little more population, but you know, so far so good. Gotcha. And you said it's going to be three years in September, correct? Yep, September 25th will be three years. That's the anniversary day. Yes. <laughs> Come on back. Definitely. I will. It's fantastic food. I'd never, like I said, I didn't even know you had this place. And then when we decided to meet here, I was like, cool, I'll try some food out. Had a calzone. Fantastic. I had uh, some vanilla bean gelato. That was awesome. Your lemonade was very good. Everything was fantastic. Awesome. I appreciate that. Definitely. Well, come out here originally, of course, to say hi. I would call you a friend. We've been in contact for at least a good 10 years now. Definitely. 
And soccer is right around the corner. IVCC men's soccer starts in August. We are just about to be in the beginning of July. Um, you put a team together. Have you seen, you know, what the pieces that you got? Yeah, getting real excited. I mean, this is uh, always get excited for the beginning of the season. You just new hope, optimism. But uh, definitely excited about this team. You know, we got some good players returning from a pretty good team last year. Uh, I think we have six uh, players coming back. And so we uh, graduated a few and then moved on. But uh, and then incoming, right now we're sitting at um, 18 new players. You know, and so come August we'll see if everybody makes it. We're sitting at 24 right now and uh, real solid players. We have some you know players from all over the world and we have some kids that are local. So we're gonna try to bring that together, blend it up, and uh, hopefully have a winning combination there. Definitely, the numbers that you were just talking about for this year's team, is that average, is that more or less than normal? I would say it's a little more, usually we fall right between 20 and 22, but I'm, I'm really excited because last year we had to, we ran with 14, and then we had a surgery about the fifth game in, so we had 13 players all year, which made it really difficult, you know, stamina-wise, and you know, trying to you know, do anything too far as, uh, you know, move pieces around or anything like that, so this will be, uh, give us a little more flexibility, and uh, hopefully a little more stamina as the season goes along too, so. Gotcha. Who are some of the players that you're going to rely on, especially the returners that, you know, they've already played yeah. junior college soccer and, you know, they're back for another year? A lot of defenders coming back on this team. Uh, got two, two, two starting center backs. One of those is the one that had the surgery. But the two starting center backs, uh, Drew Garrett, he's from Marion, Illinois, way down south. And then we also have uh, a kid named uh, Francisco Pereira. He's from Portugal. And he was a starter last year at the beginning of the year. Um, we have probably about seven center backs in the roster coming in, so... We don't know what we're going to be, but uh, they'll be really good. We also have the two outside backs coming back. DJ Garissa is from South Africa, and he's the left-footed back, the real offensive-minded, but still a good lockdown 1v1 defender. Same on the other side, uh, Andre Mendez. He was an all-region player last year for us, all-conference. He had, like, I think he had 11 assists from outside back, so real solid players there. Real excited to see what these guys are going to bring this year, having more experience, you know, so. Definitely. Who are some of the local players, local talent that you have on this squad? This year, we got Mauricio uh, Ruiz from uh, Depew, and then we got three guys from Princeton, a goalkeeper, a forward, and a defender. So, looking to you know get all these guys in here. We'd like to get more local, you know, but uh, for some reason this year, we, just, we couldn't get anyone over from Ottawa, LaSalle, Fru, or Streeter. And the numbers are a little bit down as far as those schools go, but, you know, we still like to get some, you know. Yeah, definitely. Don't mind who are the Princeton kids? Princeton kids. Uh, the goalkeeper is Christian. Trent Goodell is the defender. Jacob Swift is the forward. You know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to see Princeton this year, so I'm not real familiar with these guys. But you know, we have like almost three weeks of training before we even get into a scrimmage, so we'll get a good idea where everybody's at, and you know, hopefully blend the team a little bit. So definitely. How long have you been with IVCC? This is gonna be. Uh, this is gonna be year number seven, I think. For yeah. the men, and you did take over the women's program a couple years ago. We right? did just the women's last year, so they, they, they actually getting ready to do some interviews on the women's side, you know, soon here to get a new coach in there. So that was just a one-year interim type thing, you know, just kind of getting them through that season. So gotcha, gotcha. So sticking with the men, the women's—they're looking for a new coach. Yes. Okay. They have, they have some, they have some people that are lined up for interviews. Like that's from what I've heard. So perfect, perfect. Yeah. Gotcha. How do you like junior college soccer? And because I know you as I met you as a high school coach, and then you know you moved on to junior college with IBCC and Oglesby. You know it's a different environment. You know the kids are a little older, 
but you're also taking you know star talent from some of these little high schools and trying to make the better talent play together and sometimes that's hard to do because it's you know hey it's me like i'm good maybe not everybody else how are you able to gel that and make that work it's a good point i start off pretty much every year the same way and college sports is a business i mean as good as you might be i'm already looking behind you for the next guy you know because you know anything can happen academics you, know, you might not be here in a year so i for me, it's, a, it's, it's an always it's a conveyor belt that I'm going to just trying to bring in talent, you know. And, you know, sometimes you do uh, get egos that kind of run into each other. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, we're hoping that people come in and, uh, you know, everybody's got to make a sacrifice, you know. Most of these players were the best players on our high school teams. So, and they, and they all know that, you know. And sometimes, you know, when they get together in this environment, you know, maybe they have to play out of position or maybe play less, you know. So it requires a person to be able to admit that and then to, to be able to achieve that, which is not always easy. but. Generally, in the past, we've had pretty good luck with that, so, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Any other problems that you run into with junior college? You were saying a conveyor belt. Like, I see it every year on every program. doesn't matter the sport. Kids, so excited to commit. They come in, and then they're gone in a month. It could be all kinds of different, you know, things. But, obviously, to make a team and have a gel, you can't have pieces coming in and out as fluently as they have been for the last couple of years. How do you deal with that as a coach? It's rough. I mean, that's, that's something that's really tough. I mean, that's, I think that's part of the junior college environment. You know, if these kids were D1 players, there'd be no question they're going to show up there. So, you know, but every student athlete has their own situation, whether it be, you know, something social or personal or financial. And, you know, we try to just work with them through all that, you know, and try to get into a better point. You know, the, the objective here is, you know, the student athletes, so the objective is to get them an education in the end. You know, and we can use soccer as a vehicle to do that. And that's, that's the goal, really. Definitely. Back to the soccer field. Are you? I kind of want to say an X's and O's guys. You know where to like put people and you know help them be in the best position. You know for them for results for either goals. You know defense. And with the amount of people that you have back, obviously they see that too. Yeah, I mean uh, these guys know how to play soccer. I mean you know these guys are pretty. Like I said, most of them are the best players on high school teams. You know they're, come, they're international players, international talents. You know, we have a kid that's on the, you know, under 21 South African team. I mean, these guys know how to play. I, basically, my job is not getting their way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got to, you know, of course, we, you know, there's things that we got to adjust, but mostly it's, it's where, I, where I, I feel like I have values coming from an evaluation standpoint, seeing what's going on out there, seeing where we can make adjustments maybe in the aftermath of a game, you know, how, how we can better our results from the game before, stuff like that. So, you know, in, in training, of course, you know, we got to go in there, we got to train hard. I mean, one thing that maybe uh, was a gap last year for us that, I don't want to say training-wise, we just didn't bring it together the way we could have, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I feel like there's a little bit, that may have been where we, it, it, it bled over into games, you know what I'm saying? We, we didn't do things that were 100% right. We, we relied on our talent too much where we should put in more work and they should have been equal. That's my opinion. And uh, so hopefully this year, that's going to be my objective. We're going to try to bring those two level. Because if we, with the talent we have, if we put in the work ethic that people, the teams are willing to play with against us, we should be very, very good. We have a lot of talent. I mean, that's something that nobody can take away. How we use it, that will be the determining factor. So, And as a coach, I mean, yes, of course, the players are improving and getting better, you know, year to year, game to game. But so do coaches. What are some things that you've picked up on as soon as you jumped into junior college ball to now, you know, six, seven years later? What are some things that you're doing different that you may not have done in the past? I think the biggest thing is that over the years you see the tendencies and you see what happens in the game. So you see – you start cutting the fat a little bit. Like you see what you really need to do in training, so you start to narrowly narrow it and start to focus a little more. Because maybe the first year or two you're doing things that really didn't have any value in the in the pitch. 
So, you know, I think that's the biggest part of it, just having experience, you know, and knowing what does work, what needs to be done to get to the point where you want to be. I think it's the biggest thing, just experience, you know. Definitely. And as long as I've been around sports, um, you see some coaches that change their style or what they're doing on the field to their personnel, who they have on the, the field. And sometimes they don't, and they have a system, and try to put those players in a certain position in the system. How do you look at it? Where do you go about on the lines of that? I, I'm more pragmatic of using what we have. I mean, I, I think you use, I don't think you like, I don't like to try to force a square peg into a round hole. So I like to try to use the, the talent players we have, and then maybe put a system around that. I do have a formation that I like, a 4-2-3-1. But I think this year, uh, with the talent we have, we're probably gonna switch up and go to a 4-3-3 just to be a little more offensive-minded, put a little more pressure on that side of the ball. Where, you know, many years in the past, you know, we haven't had the talent to play with a lot of these teams, so we've had to um, spend more time on the defensive side of the ball. So it's, things are changing a little bit now, so I, mean, I think we can adjust a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of push back on that end too, so. Gotcha. So it sounds like you're kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. Like changing the system because you know you have more offensive talent. Yes. But kind of staying to what you want to to make sure you're defensively sound the same. I mean, I feel like almost any sport, I mean, I don't know, I'm kind of stepped away from a lot of sports, but I feel like you gotta, if you want to win a championship, you got to play defense. And we can win a lot of games and be a mediocre defensive team probably. But if we really want to advance and get to where we want to be, we got to be a good defensive team. So gotcha. that's the objective. Under one goal per game. <laughs> That's Under one goal? That's where we got to be. That's my opinion. Definitely, definitely. What is the farthest your teams have gotten in the postseason? Well, last year was our best year. We, uh, we played for the championship of the region, and we lost. Uh, we had everything going for us. We had the game at home, and we had the lead at halftime. And then it just slipped, slipped through our fingers, unfortunately. And uh, it was disappointing. You know, it's, uh, you, know they don't, you don't get a chance to come around. That doesn't happen every year. You know, when we were six years, and we finally got there. So they had to, like, slip away like that. It's, it's frustrating. But... Uh, you know, on the other hand, that's uh, there's a lot of teams that didn't get to, get to go there. So, you know, I'm happy if we can do that again this year. I think we'll be happy. You know, so we stepped up to D2 this year from D3. So means we're going into a pool of scholarship teams where in the past it's been all non-scholarship. So it'll be interesting. That uh, definitely the schedule we're playing is, is full of tougher teams. And uh, so we'll see how we, we go through that. We'll see how we fare. You know, what I mean, I just feel like uh, even with the schedule being tougher, it'll prepare us more for the postseason. So. Sometimes when a coach comes in, they're like automatically, you, you know, you've been around soccer for a long time and you were, you know, an outstanding high school coach for Earlville. And did you coach anywhere else besides no, Earlville? Just Earlville? Just Earlville? Yeah. But everybody knew that program. You came to Earlville or Earlville was coming to you, you know, it was going to be a tough game and you guys were a really good team. So you brought that into IVCC with you. Sometimes a coach comes in and like, oh, you know, they should be winning right away. But at the same time, you're going to a whole new different environment. You got to recruit. You got to put things together. Life is different like that. To me, you would say like, "Hey, six years, we finally made it to a championship." In my mind, that's kind of about right because you're like trying to formulate what you're doing here. Where was your mindset? You're like, "Hey, we haven't done anything for the first five years." You're like, "Hey, we're kind of right where we're supposed to be." Yeah, that's hard to say. I mean, I was kind of frustrated to be honest, and. Uh but you know, I, I, I really appreciate the grace I was given by the school, the college, you know, to, to get there. There's a lot of things I was kind of learning on the fly, you know, uh, how much recruiting has to be done. You know, now I over recruit the last few years because I know, you know, even if we do get 25 or 26 guys, that's fine, you know, but we probably won't. If I recruit 25 or 26, we'll probably get 20 or 22. So that's kind of like the, the mentality. But I think getting here, yeah, it's been, it's been a road, but now the whole thing is to maintain, you know. It's, uh, it was hard getting here, and, and like I said, the grace that was shown by the school was much appreciated and 
you know, and I think, you know, like I said, it's not all about winning when you're at IBCC. It's, you know, these, it's about, you know, making these people better at life, too. You know, you're trying to get these kids an education. So it's a microcosm for life, you know, really. So, and uh, that's that's all part of the job. So, I mean, that part I'm happy with. You know, we turned out some, some good people. And now we're just going to catch up on the soccer side, hopefully. Definitely, definitely. What's easier to do, make a pizza, recruit for junior college soccer? Oh, man. I, the, this, the act of making pizza, I love to sit there and just make pizza. I could do that all day. Just flipping pizza around, that's not a problem. Recruiting can be frustrating sometimes. It's hard work. <laughs> and you get a lot, of, a lot of texts at 3 in the morning from uh, international spaces. So Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so you're working at like 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, not I, even I, don't usually, I don't usually take them, but I see the light lighting up. My wife's very understanding. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's, we got to give a shout out to the wife because, as a business owner and a soccer coach, you know that's a lot of time involved, and you got to have the family support and family being able to help and you know maneuver things. So, what's your wife's name? Absolutely, I have the best wife in the world. Her name's Odessa, and uh, she's a nurse here in Ottawa, and uh, so she's busy too. But you know, we uh, pulled together to make it work. She's very supportive of all the stuff I have going on. Believe me, she's very, very supportive. Perfect. Does Did she come and eat your pizza? Oh yeah, she loves it. Yeah, she comes on. She she actually just said yesterday she has been here once. She wants to get down here. So, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Fantastic. Well, Tim, we have everybody on Edge of Your Seat podcast play a game. We're gonna play a little rank them with some mobster movies. When I asked you a topic or something you want to rank, and you said mob movies, I was like, all right, let's do it. Because I am a big fan of all of these. Like I've watched every single movie we have on this list. So let's read off the list and get your rankings. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, they all can kind of like interchangeable, but for me on the top, it's got to be Godfather 2. You got Brando, you got De Niro, same movie. Young De Niro, I mean, the Italian with the sub subheadings. I mean, it's just, I still think you can do any better. I mean, it's just, and people, you know, over the years, there's been some good movies along the way, like a newer mom movie, The Departed, like we talked about. But for me, it's Godfather 2. It's got to be. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't go anywhere else above that, so... All right, so we got Godfather 2 as the number one. Yeah. Let's list off the rest of these and see where we got them then. So we will go Godfather 1, we'll go Goodfellas, Donnie Brasco, Heat, or Departed. I, I'm probably just going to slide Goodfellas in there probably just because it's just such a classic. you got so many good stars in there, you know. Joe Pesci, I mean, Joe Pesci's performance in that movie is probably one of the best mobster performances of all time. I haven't seen the new Sopranos movie yet, though, but a friend of mine told me it's just okay, so... You seen it? No, I have not. Yeah. I love the series though. Yeah, if Sopranos going, is my favorite TV yeah, show. Yeah, Sopranos. As far as monsters, I go Sopranos all day. But if you're going specifically movies, you know, we gotta go get off it. But yeah, also Casinos. Another one I forgot. Casinos a great movie. A great Scarface. movie. Scarface. Scarface as many, well. Man. There, many. there's a bunch of them. Scarface would probably be my number one. Like yeah. Godfather Two is yours. I love it. I've that. seen that movie a million times. I love it. The, the philosophy of uh, I can't remember the character's name now, but yeah. Al Pacino's philosophy in the, you know, I was always telling Manny, he's always telling, yeah. he's telling his philosophy about power and money. I love it. Great movie. Tony Montana. Tony Montana, yeah. That's <laughs> but his nephew, Manny. Yeah, Good, definitely. Great cast, man. Yeah, it was, every single movie that we have just mentioned, though, that we listed off, great casting. Oh. Like, the way they put these guys together and, you know, they can be in a normal movie, like a regular family movie, like Robert De Niro. He's in Meet the Parents. And then he's in Irishman and things like that, where he's just a mob guy. Oh yeah, it's it's he's awesome. A great actor, man. I mean, the guy is just he's amazing. One of the best ever, for sure. Probably my favorite actor, I guess. Have to say. Nice. All right, so we got Godfather two. We got Goodfellas. What comes after that? We still have Donnie Brasco, Heat, 
Departed and Godfather One on the list. Yeah, I'm going, I gotta go back to Godfather here. I mean, I'm going back into Godfather, back into the series, a classic. I love it. Nice. I'm gonna go after that. What do we got? We got Donnie Brasco. I think I'm gonna go probably Departed in there after that, and then I would slide maybe. Yeah, I go Casino or Heat over Donnie Brasco probably too. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Casino. I love Casino. Casino's a great movie. Yeah, it's another good. good one. James Woods. All right, so we're putting Donnie Brasco last. I think Donnie Brasco last, but only in the last in a sense of that it's a top ten movie. Yeah. You, you oh yeah. You understand? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't even make these lists if you're not good. Right. Exactly. Like you don't even make the list of like discussing whether you're a great movie if you're not good. Exactly. Yeah. The thing so, I like about Donnie Brasco is to throw it in is that's based on a true story, which I think is always cool. So yeah, it's good. Good. Same with Heat. Kind of cool. Yeah. Story, so. Definitely. I'm glad you went Godfather two ahead of one though. You, you, you glad I did or you don't like that? I, I do like that. Yeah, like, yeah. I think Godfather 2 is the better movie, but yeah. they're both classics. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, when I, when I find myself flipping, like, a, you know, middle of the afternoon at home and it's on there, I, I don't get off. I'm, I'm stuck, you know, TNT or wherever it's at, you know what I mean? I, I sit there and watch the whole thing, you know. And normally, I'm showing them, them back to back, so I'm usually in for, like, four or five hours when it comes on, so. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Tim, Cotton Jim, the head coach of IVCC men's soccer, has his own pizzeria, Aniga. Pizzeria Napolitana. I couldn't get the last word out. I'm glad you said you it for two me. Two out of three, man. <laughs> two out of three, that's not too bad. It's like meatloaf. But the food to me was five out of five. Like, it was fantastic. Thank you very much for that. We really appreciate that. Definitely. And you're going to be a new sponsor, advertiser with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Absolutely, man. We're going to get in there. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you for your hospitality. Love talking soccer. Love talking mob movies. And like... You know, catching up with you, it's been a fun time. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate you coming out, bro.